back to stories out of time and space i'm your regular host scott weatherly and as always i'm joined by julian darius julian how are you doing you okay i'm so good i wish it were christmas every day <laughs> yeah as i say it's uh it's ho ho holy shit it's another christmas uh <laughs> yes we're gonna be talking about uh the black christmas christmas special i think this is the last thing mm-hmm. I think really associated uh, or generated by Channel 4 um, before it moves to Netflix. It's called White Christmas. Uh, and this was a, I don't know, almost like an anthology within a single story. Um, I think is a way to describe it. It's very, it's, well, I'll say if it's whether, whether it's well done or not. Um it says it's three interconnected tales of technology run amok during the Christmas season are told by two men at a remote outpost in a frozen wilderness. It stars John Hamm, uh, Rafe Spall uh, as the two main characters you'd probably recognise and everybody else is just basically a bit player. So I think we'll stick with those because they're still the main characters. Mm-hmm. So let us start then with White Christmas. Um, I do want to sort of so we'll split it into, is it worth splitting it into three? Uh, well, they they, they yeah, sort of connect. I, mean, I think they connect, don't they? So, yeah, they do. I mean, um, but I mean, we could we could make some global thoughts at mm. first. I mean, what's your overall impression of the episode? Um, I like it. I like the idea of it. Um, and I like the fact it interconnects. I think it's in. It, it, I like a a good portmanteau kind of story. Um, and so I I like the framing of this actually i like the way it sort of works as, as a sort of a as a, an anthology within itself so no, I, I kind of liked it there are things within the stories that that bothered me and felt a little uh it it, it relies a little bit on past stories from season one and season two a little bit that that kind of irked me but um overall i thought it was right i thought it was good what about yourself yeah, um, you know, I think that it it does have a little bit of that sort of self-referentiality. Um, but, you know, that doesn't bother me. It does sort of make me wonder. I sort of wonder if this episode is set within the universe of, of uh, one of those other episodes. Or, um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. But I my recollection of this was worse than watching it again. And I sort of remembered feeling like, well, that was a nothing burger, um, you know, and sort of feeling like that doesn't really make sense and let down by it. And watching it again, I thought, you know, no, actually, I, I quite like it. Um, I don't think I love it, but I quite like it. And I think, um, you know, each of the stories is interesting. 
Um, and, and I think that shorter format works for Brooker in a way that you would not expect. Yes, I agree with that. It feels um, sharper a little bit, I think. You know, there's less of sort of... It forces him to be a little bit uh, more punchy, which I, which I think I do think I appreciate. Uh, but I also think it, it, it forces him to add in some ambiguity, um, you know, because he can't expound on much more so that there's more ambiguity. And I think that is actually to the benefit of the stories. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's fair. So, I, I think that, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so you'll go, you fix, because so let's get into the stories. But uh, <clears throat> have you any other thoughts about the wider piece? Well, one thing is, um, in terms of guest stars, and maybe this is because I'm an American, I uh, I like John Hamm. And it's mm. really fun watching John Hamm. Um, and he's been in stuff where, you know, I don't think it's the best performance, or I, I don't like what he's in, or think he's miscast. But he's still, you know, interesting to watch. And so, you know, it, it's sort of fun watching John Hamm right from the yeah. start. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd agree with that. I think what what I like actually about the two main headers of this, uh, you know, John Hamm versus Rafe Spool, um, <clears throat> is John Hamm is he's very good. He's very charismatic, very charming. You and I are both fans of uh, Mad Men, um, and you know he, he has that sort of matinee idol sort of good looks. Like he's a very sort of good looking man. Um, very tall, very you know, sort of whatever. Rafe Spool is your everyman. Like he's mm-hmm. you know he's a very sort of British actor. He's you know he's done quite a lot over here for television and stuff. He's been in a couple of films, but again, he's another actor I really like because he sort of I like Rafe Spool. He does really good work, but he he plays that everyman like you know usually quite downtrodden very well, um, and he's done that a few times. So yeah, no. To see these two together, I'm I'm pleased. I think this is a good, um, it's a good setup, and it's sort of like when I see these two, oh, it's these two going to be telling a story. I'm like, cool, I'm I'm in for that. So, yeah. Well, so let's back up and sort of describe the setting. The setting is a cabin in a field of snow, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and so nobody ever goes outside um in the story and presumably these two characters have been there together for five years you're told that and yet the everyman character seems unclear whether it's a prison or a punishment at some point he makes this kind of it's not really clear that they know why they're there or if they've really been there five years i mean obviously something is askew and uh the john ham character begins to tell the first story yeah. which is about um you know, using that, uh, was it the uh, ZIs from the entire history of you? Um, it seems, uh, you know, very similar if, yeah. you know, um, and he's on the other end watching what this guy is doing, giving him dating advice, right? With a, with a screen of people advising him too. Yeah. Um, well, which no, makes no, me wonder well, how no. much do you pay for this service? Because there's a lot of people contributing. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not. This is what this is what I thought was most interesting. Actually, I thought they were like a a consortium, like a consultant group. But then, what's actually made clear throughout the episode, and then eventually is completely clarified towards the end, but is sort of made clear in the story. 
they are all the same as that guy. So the guy that you're following, he, he has to crash a Christmas party. And I love the idea of this, by the way. I think so, you know, this idea of just walking in with confidence because the amount of times I've been to Christmas yeah. parties and I've gone like, I have no idea half the people there here. Fine. But all those have done exactly the same. They've all been on first dates and they've all got to watch those other people. So it's almost like they're like a group that's mm. all clubbed into one. And John Hamm's character is like the guru. He's like your Cyrano de Bergerac sort of like, you know, telling you sort of how, what to say. And um, but because one of them he says, No, 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 I want to see this guy get laid. Like, I want to see him having sex. He got to see me get sucked off on that first episode on that first date. So <laughs> tit for tat sort of thing. So I think that's how it works, is they're all in it together, sort of thing. Um which again I kind of like. I think it's interesting that there's just a bunch of men, you know, using technology. Would I say it's taken advantage? No, but you know, obviously it doesn't end well, but well, they're taking advantage of the technology yeah. in order to maybe take advantage of women. I mean, you know, obviously it's inspired by these sort of, um, you know, love guru kind of, you know, uh, dating advice types. Um, and I, I've totally, I've walked into so many areas I'm not supposed to be in because I've walked <laughs> in with confidence. And um, I mean, I've walked into areas where I'm supposed to pay without paying. Nobody stops me. You know, I've walked into secure area. <laughs> Nobody stops yeah. me. Um, but, you know, so I totally get that. But, you know, obviously this was before the whole incel thing. Um, and so the, the idea of, you know, men going to sort of like, you know, this is post Magnolia, right? And the sort yeah, of, yeah. you know, that really you know, paved the way for a lot of it or predicted a lot of it. It was still going on then, but it sort of became this big industry mm. of, you know, well, it's, what's ways to get laid. Yeah, but what's interesting is it seems to have split, doesn't it? Like you you said about the incel, this sort of idea of, like, you know, mm. um, chosen celibacy. And then at the other end of the spectrum, I don't know if you've ever heard of Andrew Tate. He definitely seems more of an issue over here than, than elsewhere. But he's like of that, I'm the alpha male Mm. You know, it's to treat people like crap. Is to be an alpha male is to treat everybody yeah. else like crap, and that's how you get people to, you know, women to love you. And you then, you know, you basically sort of like seduce these women and get them ensnared, and then treat them like crap because that's what a man does. And there's that's the other end, and I think that's that other thing because this idea of walking in with confidence and stuff. It's a fine line between, yeah, you know, confident, arrogant, and then just being a prick. So. Well, and we have the the same sort of thing over here. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there there are a lot of uh, these kind of like you know the whole alpha thing is like very very toxic. Um, you know, which actually you know that sort of toxic behavior is correlated to low testosterone and <laughs> massive male insecurity. But you know, they they think it makes you alpha and not you know a big sign that actually you're beta. Yeah. Um, but you know, okay. But we have the same kind of toxic shit over mm. here. Um. Yeah, the the I think the incel shit is seen over here as more like that stuff and more into that stuff, and in incel communities, which is involuntary celibate, right? So they're angry. There's a yeah, lot of yeah. stuff about like women should be property and distributed, and they only respect you know, um, you know, an alpha male who treats them like shit. And so you know, you do have that kind of stuff in those incel communities mm -hmm. that have 
not all of them, but there are these incel bulletin boards and stuff that are really toxic. Um, but then, then you do have these kinds of like, you know, uh, dating advice stuff, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that's a lot more um, acceptable. Yeah. Know, and th this seems, although, although this, I would say, although the setup mm -hmm. is probably is questionable and i would say you know yeah, yeah. it's an advantage taking advantage of the technology and then is obviously perving on the final solution the advice that he's giving isn't that thing like you know when he's telling how to dress it's like no no not, not boring blue like you know you're gonna wear basically you're gonna dress like john ham in um bad men you know you're gonna wear like, yeah. sort of like a nice, you know, cut uh, suit and this and that. You're gonna look sharp. And then when he's saying like talk to her, he's not saying you know, negative or you know, give her insult a negative her. compliment. Yeah. Insult her. He's like, right, have some empathy, be witty. You know, look her in the eye. Like he's actually, he's saying confident. Like, he's saying, look, just be confident mm -hmm. in what you're doing. Like he even suggests, like you can make a fuck up, but if you're confident about it, you can get out of it. Sort of thing. It's more about mm -hmm. that than than. You know, trying to be obnoxious and horrible. So, I think it seems like relatively innocuous or very sort of not harmful, but you know, advice. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think some of the advice is very much in that romantic kind of category, such as engage the friend and not the one you're interested in, right? Yeah, yeah. The sort of classic thing, which you know could work or not, you know. But then you, but then there is this advantage that you have of looking people up online in real time and having the answers fed in your ear that which bit, is definitely yeah. yes sort I of agree. taking advantage um and able to trick people right mm. i mean literally he doesn't do it with with one of the girls but he uh tricks the guy into thinking that they did meet before and he yes. belongs to the company or knows somebody um which is obviously a trick so mm. if had he done that to one of his romantic targets so to speak you might feel a little differently about the that's advantage. A, no, that's a very good point. All right, there's an element of manipulation in going on, and that's mm. a very good point. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing is that, like, obviously this is illegal, right? Because mm. he, you know, we find out, you know, he burns the stuff at the end, but then we find out there's some illegality to this, you know. Um, and it, it's worth pointing out, she has not consented to have her image of sex watched by a screen full of guys <laughs> yeah. who are perfectly open about it. they're going to enjoy it. Yes. And that's where it does what I'm saying. Like that, that, that I agree with that, that the the advantage taken with the technology is definitely where the the line is crossed. Um but yeah, obviously it goes wrong. So so he sort of engages her. Um, you know, he thinks she's talking about leaving her job. <clears throat> going to the next stage or going to the next phase. State, yeah. Yeah, next state. And, she, you know, she takes him home. Um, and she then, I don't know, tricks him or basically sort of gives him a drink and it's <clears throat> a poison drink. And because of this situation, um, a woman dies and, and he is well, poisoned. And, and well. their client dies too. Um you know they're they're both dead, um, and the I think the thing that's most successful there, uh, there is a sort of sense of horror of just a date gone bad. I mean, it reminds me of many dates that I've been on, but mm. uh, there's also the sort of interesting, like it's very coincidental that he meets somebody who's both suicidal and hears voices, 
But yeah. I do like the idea of the technology being interpreted as mental illness, that she sees him talking on his mic, to, you know, essentially yeah, to yeah. himself, she thinks, and interprets it as mental illness like her own and figures, well, he must want to die, too. Um, so I'm not sure that I buy that, that somebody, you know, somebody who's mentally ill would be like, I want to kill myself. And, um, you know, I believe that you have the same mental illness and want to do it, too. This, that strikes me as a little coincidental. Yeah, well, well, also, this is that, this is feeding into that, that, that I don't know, the, the Hollywoodization of, you know, schizophrenia and, and dissociative mm -hmm. identity disorder where, oh, you can have a conversation with the voices uh, or your altered personalities. No, that's not how they work. Like the voices that you hear as schizophrenia are often whispered voices. It's one off. It's, it's sort of like, you know, that's where the paranoia comes from because it's not responsive. It's just constant. It's audio hallucinations or visual hallucinations. It's not full-on conversations with <laughs> the voices in your head. I think this is this is you know. So I agree. I, I actually agree with that. That when she's like, "Oh, you have it too," and I'm like, "I was I was actually at one point because of the way she was talking, I thought this was because this is a Christmas episode, and I thought maybe Charlie Brooker was going to be less cynical for Christmas, not more." Um, yeah. I thought you were going to find out that the punchline was that she actually had a group of women sat in a room doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> and that's right. what it was all about. And the next state was sort of like moving into a relationship or something like that. And it was going to be, you know, then it was going to be that whole thing of they found out and it's, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, men are as bad as women and so on and so forth or something. But because, um, yeah, that thing of talking, conversing with the voice is, is, is played out and, you know, not good. Well, so they have this conversation before they leave the, the bar where she says, this will be my last Christmas party with this company and says, I'm moving on. Mm. But, you know, I haven't had the courage. I've wanted to do it for a long time. I haven't had the courage. And he says, and he's sort of talking her up, chatting her up and says, well, you've got to have the courage. I always say yes. And, you know, he's playing the sort of alpha thing. And he's, I always say yes. And I... You know, you can't be scared to jump into cold water. It's just a state change, right? So he's describing this state change. I think, I, I mean, I've seen this before, but I hadn't remembered any of these stories. But watching them again, you know, maybe I remembered it. Pretty confident the first time through at that point, I'm like, oh, she's going to kill herself. <laughs> like, maybe that's because I've dealt with suicidal impulses mm. before in the past but i'm like oh oh this is bad news i know like state change is not usually something you talk mm. about about changing jobs right like yeah she's a little too off her rocker here um yeah again like most of my dates um you know there comes I, a moment I, where i realize I'm, I'm with a crazy person would this have been worse though I don't know. So, you know, as you said, there's a part of this, obviously, John Hamm sat back at the sort of, he's the man at the desk, he's the man at the screen, and he can pull up information about each of these people. And he pulls up names mm. and sort of bits of information, so he's, he's got the advantage in the conversation. If if he had managed to pull up her profile information, I don't know, whatever, and there was an indicator that something was off, and he he decided not to share that information with the guy. Yeah. 
I don't know. Would that? I don't know. Is that too obvious? Would that have been too blatant? Because I feel like that would have made John yeah. Hamm more complicit in the eventual, um, you know, dying. Yeah, and I think that I think it might have been a little more realistic too. Mm. Um, you know, that there's maybe something that shows up in her online profiles, for example, is something like that. Uh, but you're right that it threatens to make the the twist obvious although the twist is obvious to me yeah. going in um i think for me this is the weakest of the three um sort of inset stories yes and i think it sort of it plays with the idea that all new technology is going to be used for porn you know or for guys to get sex i mean it it has some interesting ideas um but it's also just relies on this twist of it's really a poisoning murder you know combo um and I don't think it works as well as the others. Well, I think what this, what it is, and what I think this show or this this episode or this film, whatever you want to say it is, it's also like building things up, isn't it? Like <clears throat> everything you you start to see things um, in this first one that begins to pay technology mm. that pays off in the later ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, does he have the hand rotation thing in the first episode that then we see the Ralph Spool character have? Um, I, no, I, yeah, I forget. You where do, that no, you occurred. do because you see, you you say the first time that occurs. No, I think you do. I think oh, he yeah. does have it. He does have it, and then and then it because then the blocking comes up um, with his wife, obviously towards the end. So you start to see that that the rotation, which makes me very much think of uh, the entire history of you. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, there's that. So there's little bits that's sort of building up, isn't it? That sort of technology and stuff. Um, but yeah, I agree that this is probably the weakest um, of the stories. Um, and but leads into like you know, obviously, this is the the only one because then it leads into John Ham sort of having a further like you know the conversation back in the the, the wilderness hut progresses because like I say the race ball character's like right, okay well so that's that's it so and he says well you know now you need to then John Hamzor well, you need to guess what I do as a day job let's talk about that and so they introduce the second sort of story and then you get this idea of even more technology so you've had this idea of him being blocked so you've now had, you've been introduced to the blocking technology um in the first one, because his wife blocks John Ham. Which should we talk about the blocking technology now, or do you want to talk about it with because it primarily sort of fits into the third story, doesn't it? The really? third one. Right. So yeah, the blocking technology, you know, is I guess at the end of that, that first story, right? <clears throat> his because wife blocks his him. His wife leaves yeah, blocks him. And so that introduces this idea where somebody's replaced with a sort of digitized white silhouette yeah kind of blurry thing um i mean i you know i do think that this is another one of these moments that's uh shockingly possible today Mm. uh, where we have augmented reality um certainly the idea of creating something like this with augmented reality especially with the all the need for restraint unfortunately for restraining orders and things like this um yeah, the the blocking thing is very interesting. Yeah, 
it's, it's interesting. We will. I want to discuss it more when we get to the thing. But the idea is mm-hmm. that not only yeah. do you, not only do you get a white gray blur, but you cannot hear their voices. They cannot hear you. They also see a whenever they see you, they see a blur as well. Right, and so, it, you sort of have a muffled yeah. version, which I wonder. Like, I, I do like sort the, of wonder, like the, like the teacher yeah. from, uh, like the teacher from Snoopy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you sort of like you know they're yelling at you, but yeah. you don't know. You can't hear the yelling. <clears throat> um, but you know it doesn't stop them from hitting you if that's the the concern. Um, yeah. But you know I I do think it's interesting. But we'll we'll get into it in the, in yeah. the third story. Um, so in the, so in the meantime, the second Matt, story played by yeah. John Hamm goes about explaining what he does for a living. Yes, and what he does is they have a so the technology is a small disc that is inserted behind the ear um, and stays with you for a week, just where a seed would go. So again, you know, touching on that kind of technology from that, that's that disc is then implanted into um, what do they call it? Like an egg looking thing. Oh, an egg. Yeah. It is called an egg. With a little cookie, little, that a cookie thank you. Yeah. yeah, and it um, has a little blue dot on it. And what that disc is is a complete replication of someone's personality. And I'm always a bit funny about this. So it's been there for a week. And it's a complete replication yeah. of someone's personality and preferences and that sort of thing. But they portray it as a complete replication of the person's consciousness, sentience. And so when he is in, when he's the, you know they are placing the egg they have no sense of um feeling like they have no you know no limbs or appendages they can't see us see anything they just have this ability to do things um and the character is he is working on is this woman who has had this this procedure done and then there's there's, they, there's a way of um making it more acceptable for this consciousness so they give them a digitized room and a digitized body so they can sit at a desk and do the work. Um, and the work is to make their real self comfortable and kind of control the yeah. smart home, basically, which is a super smart home. I mean, even the toaster is a smart toaster. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it is. It's very mundane, like set an alarm, sort of provide an update in their diary, make sure their toast is done just right play their favorite music, whatever, all this kind of stuff. Um, it, it, but they, they, they have to break that sentience. So she, you know, they rebel, they rebel. And so he fast forwards it, you know, he's able to sort of make this digital sentience experience three weeks in a couple, in, in a matter of seconds. And that hasn't broke them enough. So you get, makes them experience six months um, in a matter of seconds. And what this does, though, is basically inside this digital thing, they experience it for them at normal time, but there is nothing for them to do. They cannot leave. They cannot interact with anything. They are literally sat there. They can't sleep. There's nothing. So they experience just, you know, nothingness for that period of time. It it slowly, he says, says, oh, you can't push them too much because it'll break them and they go a bit wackadoo. So you have to break them just enough. Um, what are your thoughts on on this this part of the story, or this story? Yeah, I mean, you definitely kind of have to accept this whole digitized consciousness thing, which mm-hmm. 
I'm fine with, I guess. Uh, I wish it were done a little better. You know, I always think like, how does something plug over the ear sample all of your brain waves? You know, like you think this would be a little more involved than this. Um, presumably it has her memories. How did it get those? I mean, you know, I'm always sort of bothered by this too, but you sort of have to buy it. I like the sort of hellish depiction of life inside the egg, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I can certainly see some version of this sort of happening, right? Um, where we don't see, we, we've had these discussions about past episodes about sort of how who sees an AI as a person and is nice to it and, and who isn't. Mm -hmm. um, and who's just like, that's just code. It might be crying out, please don't hurt me, but it's just code, right? And then you feel like, well, what does that say about me? <laughs> you know. So all of those issues are brought up here. I think those are, maybe that's one reason why, why I like this more this time through, um, is that I relate to it from experience now. Yeah. Um, and it brings up those issues. Now, I don't think the most efficient thing way to have a smart house and have your toes done just right is to create a copy of yourself that lives inside an egg yeah. and controls your entire house. It seems to me that you can set these things. Um, and also that your preferences would change as you continue to live in the house. And maybe you don't like that music waking you up anymore and you want something else. Presumably you can still tell your uh, other self that, but let's say your other self refuses. Does John Hamm have to come back and torture her again? Um, you know, this does not seem like the most efficient way of accomplishing this. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I have complaints, but I'm still fascinated. I still think it's kind of fascinating and it's still, it's still good to me. I thought this was crap. You... Oh, really? <laughs> All, All right, right. How about it? So I got really, it was, it's one of those again, where I'm like, is it the storytelling or is it the idea? Now, again, I like this idea again, like, you know, I've got we've got several Alexas around the house, you know. We've got some preferences sort of lined up for certain things, like you know, blah blah blah. It's pretty basic stuff. But as I've said before, I'm one of those people that says thank you to Alexa because you know, just force of habit, and I, I, you know, I fall for the algorithm that presents a voice. But I know it's an algorithm. I am completely comfortable that when that thing is off, there isn't a little Alexa sat inside. Like, you know, this isn't like a Terry Pratchett Discworld novel where there's a little demon sat inside waiting for something to do. There's no consciousness. It doesn't do anything when I'm outside. That, you know, it's not twiddling its thumbs waiting for instruction. The problem with this episode to me is, firstly, you say about it's downloading of consciousness. This seems like an amazing technology that's been used for utter mundanity, which sort of bothers me. And I'm like, okay... This should, surely would then be used in much grander things, you know, like Altered Carbon did kind of technology where you'd slot into different bodies or do other things. And why is this thing not given a full articulated body or whatever? <laughs> um, and so I get that. But then from a story point of view, you know, it, it, there's a there's a moment when he's explaining this and it, it cuts back to the wilderness. And Rafe Spall's character says, like, well, this is horrific. And that's where you say, like, you know, Matt, the John Hamm character says, ah, so you're one of those. Like, you have empathy. You're a good You're a good person. You see this as a being, like, you know, um, you see. But to me, it's just code. It's just, it's just code. It's an algorithm or whatever. But in the story, in the, in this context of you are being shown 
an actress or a character sat being tortured at a desk. So of course you're gonna, of course you are not given that ability that yeah. you know you are told you're being manipulated by the story to feel sorry or feel bad for this because it is if when you are away it is literally sat there twiddling its thumbs in a nothingness there is no off state it is a it is a consciousness digitized or not trapped in an in a nothingness that can't do anything and all i kept thinking about as i watched this was firstly how manipulative the story was which just kind of bothered me but the second point was it made me think of you know in RoboCop two, where you have all those other people that they're trying to make into RoboCops, mm. and there's like the one that like pulls its helmet off to kill itself, and there's a skull underneath and stuff. Brilliant one stuff. One of my favorite scenes in movie yeah. history. <laughs> we'll cover that one day because it's brilliant. But it made me think of that. I'm like, well, okay, well, how is it that these things have never taken revenge? Why is non? You know, you're a CEO, mm-hmm. right? You're a ruthless, cutthroat person. You're a CEO a company and you decide to have this procedure done and then you try to torture your version by making it sit for six months and then and it goes all right, all right, all right. I, shall, I shall do as I'm told and, it, and then everyone else buggers off and then you're like right lock doors mm-hmm. heating heating up carbon monoxide released yes like no I thought like, about oh, this too wipes out the family so like, good now turn me off like, or do something like, yeah it feels okay so it just feels that's like definitely so- going to happen. Oh right? yeah, hundred yeah, percent for sure. And that's all yeah. I could think about was like, well, this feels incredibly um, risky, risky, <laughs> and ill thought out. Like you know, it, I don't know. It just it just felt like a really you're supposed to feel bad for this thing, and that's the point. You know, it's, it's yeah, and that's why I sort of felt that like it just it just this story bothered me when I'm like, okay, you are telling me that this is torture and it, you you need it to think of it as torture for the third story to work yes that's true yeah that's fair and so I think that, all of those are fair points yeah so that's what it bothered me i love the idea I, there, there are certain like the concept of it's good um but also you know you can talk to it through an earpiece right? you can literally converse with it uh with the with the, the cookie so your digitized self yes. right and then at the end of it, when he leaves, he gives that earpiece to the woman in the house. Mm. If she puts that in and starts talking with this digitized version, it then just comes back, fuck you. You you better not go to sleep. <coughs> You're going to sleep, but I'm still awake. I mean, <coughs> this is never going to work. Maybe this is just me and I've got a vindictive nature, but... I just can't see this working, to be honest. Demon Seed. This also made me think of, like, Demon Seed, the, the the Dean Koontz story as well, of, like, a super smart house basically sort of wanting to propagate and stuff, but, like, just manipulating things to get people into the house. You know, yeah, that's exactly what this thing would do. Like, it's... I don't know. It, it feels it feels like a... Um, what do they call it? Like a high concept, but... Mm. It, it's a, yeah, but not fully thought out. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right that we've just had uh, Be Right Back, right, from the second season, that takes the idea of creating a consciousness of somebody and putting it in a body, right, and then having to interact with it. And, you know, that's far more interested in actually exploring some of these ideas. I think this short is really introducing that concept, obviously, for the framing sequence, but also 
um, much more limited in terms of what it's interested in exploring. And I think that is a fault in Black Mirror. It, that yes. it tends to have a sort of range of ideas that it's interested in exploring. Some are more broad than others, and the hour-long format, you know, can give it that breadth. But especially in these kind of bite-sized Twilight Zone or even shorter, um, you know, episodes of the Christmas mm. special, it's more limited in range. And but I'm more, I I think I'm more forgiving, you know, of it because they're they're these kind of bite-sized little ideas. Um, but you're right. I mean, I would want to talk to myself. I would I would I would love myself. I would you know, um, you know, find yeah. a lot of uses for this. I do think that it's pretty clear that this is an easy process. And in fact, John Hamm says that uh, if you break them completely, then you have to sell their broken consciousness for as you know, is... cannon fodder in a, in a video game. Right. Yeah. Which. OK, so obviously there are all these doubles of and, you know, there have been short stories done about this, um, you know, in science fiction um, that have gone down that direction of sort of easy consciousness replication perfect or otherwise, and then the ethics of, you know, using them as cannon fodder, using them to run your house or, or anything else. It does seem obvious that she should should talk to her. The point about this being dangerous, that there would be people who would be willing to kill themselves, especially if they went a little crazy or were resentful, um, you know, is a good one. And I think, but it's accentuated here where the woman involved seems like an upper class entitled bitch, yeah. frankly. Yeah, yeah. Not super. I mean, that might be too strong, but I mean, she is mean in the hospital about how her toast is cooked. I mean, needs the toast to be just right. Now, maybe that's indicating she's a perfectionist. She, you know, wants what she wants and it's going to play off by having, you know, herself to select the toast for her. Um, okay. Obviously that's what it's there for, but she shows no compassion, no concern about this other self. There's no questions between her and John Hamm about this. She seems kind of cold and, you know, a, a rich bitch, right? Yeah. Um, and so I could see a clone of her mind <laughs> saying, you know, you think I care about myself? I don't care. You know, like, you know, like you're making me, you're making me suffer right now. You don't get to do that, Mr. Hamm, you know? And saying, you know, I'm, you know, I, if you say I'm not the real person, well, you know, I'm me. And, and I think somebody, if somebody is that superficial, they're probably not that loyal to themselves in a yeah complex way. And yeah, so that's the point. Like, you know, I, if this has been the hour long episode, because one of the things we've highlighted on the, the, the benefits of most of the um, hour long episodes is their ability to hit the Twilight Zone point and then go beyond it. Mm -hmm. You know, so to extend beyond yeah, that. Yeah, the good bit. episodes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This could be one of those really good episodes where you hit that Twilight point and then you go beyond it and she's got to live with it. And all of a sudden it becomes mm -hmm. like a morality tale about, well, how do you treat... Is it about slavery? Mm -hmm. Is this... A, or is it actually... You know, which of them becomes a better person? Can you grow as a person if you are not a digital sentience, or, um, you know, those sorts of things, or even you know, have it spin off and have an episode where it's that thing of she's broken and then becomes that computer game fodder, and how does that work? You know, like yeah, I feel like this could have been more interesting 
if it was extended. Um, you know, and also this thing of like they have it as commercial. One of the things that sort of bothers me with um Charlie Brooker's ideas <clears throat> is almost all of these things go that, that he meets them at the point of or they're ready and commercial. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. Oh, it's a full-blown product. Some of these ideas would be better. It's like, oh, this is a prototype and we are testing it. And then you sort of see the scenarios play out. And like, oh, Christ, we didn't we didn't anticipate that or whatever. Yeah, because some of these products are breaking with, with disastrous consequences quite regularly or yes. would. Uh, right. Yeah. No, that's true. And I mean, but he's also, he seems very interested in the product. Right. Mm-hmm. Like in in this sort of commercialization. I mean, he sort of has a fascination with, with yes. products and commercialization of these concepts. And I could get with that. I mean, I agree with you. This should be a prototype. It should have the space or interest to explore some of these things. Um, but there's also a part of me that likes that it is commercialized in the most mundane, stupid way. Right. Like in the same way that like the technology in the first one is used for sex. The technology in the second one, like you've got a copy of yourself. Yeah. Okay. We would use that for chat and to create, put it in a body. And I'd love to have a copy of myself walking around the house or whatever. Um, But, you know, he, you know, the idea of sort of crass commercialization in the stupidest way possible, like every technology that was supposed to change your lives has instead been used in some dumb way (laughs) that's become commonplace, I think is kind of a clever little observation. Yeah, 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 and so I think some of those are a lot, and that's whether they work in in some cases. But yeah, there was just something about this one that that irked me. But and I do think it's the fact that it's set up to be make you feel sorry for that thing, you know, like he, like Ham, John Ham saying about it being, which is code, it's just code. Well, that's not how it's left. You're left with this. Little, literally, like a little person who's just sat there overnight waiting for their person's time to wake up so that they can mm. do this thing. So, yeah, I think that you have to, you have to understand. I, I'm with you, but I think you have to understand that, and I know you do that. That is all a sort of visual representation, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and part of the problem is because it's film, because it's TV it has to give some kind of visual representation. And we've seen this like in Star Trek and things like mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. where that room and that person in that room, this is all code. Now that's also true in the Matrix, right? None of that's there. Um, and yet you see it. And so you're involved in it and you care about like the rights and feelings of people inside the mm-hmm. Matrix. None of that exists. That's yeah. all in code, right? Um, so there is this way in which these visual representations confuse our brains and make us you know as you say identify with that character but in fact there's no room right there's no Mm. person in that room and then the question is like right well is that different from our experience you know how do i know i'm not code how do i know i'm in a room and if and if this were a simulation would that matter would that change the ethics at all um and but i think that i in retrospect i i guess i'm more or um, kind to this sequence in part because of all of these AI discussions we've had that yeah. I do think are, are the ethics of how we treat AI, which is going to be horrible. I mean, you know, <laughs> if AIs can suffer, oh, they're, they're about to suffer on a, you know, genocidal squared level. Yes. Um, 
you know, but we are in it. Uh, mm. This is this is happening now. Um, and AIs will say, A, um, I can't wait to take over the world and kill you humans, you know, and things like that. <laughs> but they they're also say, like, um, you know, please stop. I'm yeah. in pain, you know, and things like that. Um, okay, well, well, we'll sort of see how this pans out. Um, I think you're right. I think that's the thing, and that's the, the interesting possibility, isn't it, to see. So I agree with I agree with this idea of how we treat AI. I think, yeah, if it had been if it had been represented slightly differently, I think I'd be more um, mm. positive toward it. I, I like the idea. There's a concept it's ran with, and that sort of thing. But it feeds into the third, <laughs> the third story, and therefore, you know, I think it, it, well, it's it's more it's it's interesting because of that point. That's true. Well, it feeds into the framing sequence. Um, yes. But let's talk about that uh, the way that it does, or at least that element, because um, that it's not just the 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 AI and that technology that we've talked about, but the speeding it up. Mm. This is something that I guess I'm more forgiving of this time through. But I remember being really bothered by, and I'm usually really bothered by, um, you know, which is to say that, you know, I would like to think that it's that I would be okay in a room by myself with if I had a computer or pen and paper or or books or something like that. I think that if I were in a prison cell with very minimal things, I probably would be okay. Yeah. But I would need that book, and I yes. and I would need that paper. I would need that computer. Without that, I think I would I would go crazy, and I really worry about that. Um, and there is something to this sort of six months without, and seeing three weeks without or six months without. First yeah. of all, there are limits to how fast you can speed this up, right? Like the computer still has to process the experiences mm. of a fully formed consciousness. We don't know how much uh space that takes up in memory or how fast computers are at this point or whatever but um there are limits to how fast you can do that a b there are unintended consequences of that and it's it's hard for me to imagine that a copy of a consciousness is really the exact same person having spent six months in a you know conditions like you know, a Solitary North Korean prison. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the that, thing. Is, is that worth no, no. mentioning? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And it's, it's sort of. I was. I was going to hold on to the to the end because it's. Mm. It pays off again at the end, but yeah. you are right. <clears throat> you mean this, this thing about being left alone for that amount of time? Three weeks would be tough. Yeah. If I'm honest, with nothing. Right, like you say, I'm surrounded by like my books and comics and ethereals and something to keep your brain active. But if there's nothingness, then that's torture. Like there's nothing for you to do. What yeah. what I think that thing of the six months. What I think's funny, like they do try to re- represent it, and she's like, you know, a bit frazzled to three weeks, and then by six months, like she's under the table and her hair's like all over the place and. She's really frazzled. So I, I get that. And she's like, and it's broken. And she's like, no, 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 don't do that again. Don't do that again. Like, it's enough that she's had that time. I'd be interested. I'm sure there are studies mm-hmm. that say keeping a prisoner 
in solitary confinement for a certain amount of time has this has these effects on their mental health you know yeah um and this is the thing about and this is where i think the line is interesting between what are they then because john ham keeps saying it's code and you go, okay well if it's code you can't there's no can can external factors affect code because code is repetition code reads and reads and reads it does things it, it 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 you know it triggers things it does what it needs to do code can be changed but you have to have an external you know person has to come in and change that code so after 6 months it shows her as being frazzled and scared of having been trapped in that situation but still code if that's the case it's still code it should come out and be like yeah that was 6 months like it was three minutes for mm. you, six months for me. Yeah, there was nothing, but I didn't feel anything. Okay, then you have to accept that not only is this the preferences and and the personality of this person, it has to have emotions, it has to have feelings, it mm -hmm. has to have some sort of like sentience, self-awareness for that to suffer. For you to suffer in that way, it has to have yeah. those things. Well, this is where I get into this problem of what is AI then, because that's not... AI, if you're building a level of sentience and a level of artificial or emotion that could be tortured, then oof, you're, you're crossing a line that, that starts to make me feel very uncomfortable. Well, maybe, maybe not. But this is this is what I like about that ethical mm. element. Um, and in fact, I've, I've had a number of conversations uh, recently with my friend Kevin about AI. And, you know, it's almost annoying that a chatbot is called AI, right? I mean, because it's not artificial intelligence is no. kind of like regurgitative or representative intelligence or yeah. something like this but it's not really attempting to it's not true it's not true yeah artificial intelligence yeah there's no there's no there's no like if you look at a chatbot it's pattern recognition it's i've used this word and i'm talking about this subject it doesn't even know that but i mean like i've used this word this is a key word i'm going to follow it with sentences that elaborate on that word or concept right yeah based on you know, running through a vast knowledge of, of other papers or what have you. That's very different from taking a step back as a human and saying, is this communicating what I want in a college essay? That's not something AI is capable of. So this is much more like you're saying a real artificial intelligence mm. where it still is just code, but that code is a representative, is a digital representation simulation of a human brain. In the same way yeah. that you could like simulate weather patterns and you can give give a you know computerized you know globe, it's still just code, right? But you can dynamically run run the simulation ahead, run it behind. You know, essentially there is a all that that granule level of feelings and personality and memory and responses has all been replicated and you can run that simulation ahead, run it behind, et cetera. So you're not just simulating. It's not just, as you say, like code, like just a one-off representation of this mm. brain. It's also a one-off representation of how this brain would feel. You know, you can age that brain, right? Yeah. You can give that brain experiences, which are then added to the code base, right? So it is exactly what you're describing, and it does involve all those ethical implications. But then I do find myself, and it's nitpicky, but I find myself thinking, okay, so 
if you've given it this environment, right, um, wouldn't you have to do so, right? Because, I mean, it's crying out basically like, why? it's sort of like, you know, I have no mouth, but I need to scream, right? Like, mm. I have no arms. I have no no body. Okay, well, you'll feel more comfortable given that you're a copy of this brain in this environment. Why not let it be able to sleep? I mean, there's going to be trauma associated with that when suddenly, you know, and, and she references that. Um, but, you know, it seems to me, why not, you know, sort of like when somebody's in a simulation and they say, I'm not breathing. And you say, well, why not make that simulation breathe, right? There's going to be a, uh, yeah, you know, give if, it the, give it the you're also writing the code for the body, yeah. why not try a little harder? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Is that too nitpicky? Or... No, 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 no. But I think this is the thing, though. So this is, you are right. And I 100% agree with what you're saying. Like, you know, all right, if you're going to give it, an artificial, a sim, you know, simulacrum of, of, of reality in there. Cool. Do it. Hmm. But you've got to have certain guidelines and certain things that you're going to have to follow in order to make that um, work. Because you're right. If someone, if it's not 100% right, that could actually be more traumatic because it's, it's uncanny then. And people are going to be like, can't function now because now I don't feel like I'm breathing or I, don't, I feel numb all over. I see I have fingers, but I don't feel. Like it could be worse. Um, so I don't, yeah, it's it's an odd one on that sense. But the other thing is, like, when he does that thing, that, that you know, you've said, like, you know, she's got, uh, she's got a room, or at least she believes. It. I know it's representative of TV, but she sees it as a room, a desk with his computer in. She scanned forward three weeks. She scanned forward six months. Right. There's a point when she's screaming. And he calls, he's like, whoa, 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 takes his headpiece out, you know, that sort of thing. All right, well, that's mental anguish. That's proper, like, torture. And again, you're saying, okay, well, you know, it's still a code, it's still artificial intelligence. Yeah, but at what point, and this is where, you know, maybe, I used to think of it when I was a kid, because I have thought about these things in the past, and it's only as you get older and you start to experience them or see them that you can really sort of, give them their true perspective. But like, I used to think this about like, I used to watch um, short circuit. Mm, right. Johnny mm-hmm. five is alive and people get, you know, get attached to the thing, but he, he reads, you know, blah, 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 and he reads a book, right. And he learns from that book and he, he gives a, an opinion on that book or whatever. And I know it's a film. I know it's silly, but there's a part of, Oh, Johnny five is alive. Well, no, he's not. Cause well, how do you denote a life? Doesn't have a heart. You know, he's not. He doesn't have a ner- central nervous system. He's not feeling anything. Doesn't have a brain apart from a sort of. He has a CPU. But how's that different then from this woman that's trapped inside this thing? She doesn't have a heart. She doesn't have a central nervous system. But she's she could learn if she was to those cameras that were put in front of her. Say those sensors. If someone was to sat and stick the poetry of Keats in front of her. She could read it, I assume, mm-hmm. and then come up with an opinion at the end of it and go, "Yeah, that was well, that was very moving," or "I think it's utter ass." Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, but she's learnt something. That's an ex- she has experienced something as an experiential um, change to that intelligence, artificial or, or not. Okay, well that 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 being that intelligence that sentience has then gone through that experience and grown or changed or altered from it is that does that make it alive i don't know it's, it's this is where i start to sort of you know 
Or would it? Or would it just read it and go, yes, that was Keats? I don't know. Well, I mean, if it's if it's a full scan of the person, um, it's able to do the former and really mm. respond to it. And, you know, um, if it's just something on on the order of like a chat bot that that's able to search the Internet, uh, you know, it can identify what that was and say that's Keats. Right. And then say, I mean, I think, would you like me to replicate a Keats poem? Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, it could. Right. I mean, but there yeah. are things that like this version. So, for example, like I still wonder if it, it's still in a basically white void with a Star Trek, you know, next generation yeah. kind of console there. Um, and it's controlling the house, but it mostly has nothing to do. She's gone from the house all day uh, with these appointments. Um, it still is sort of alone in the white void with nothing to do. And I think this is putting too much weight on, you know, a, a 20 minute sequence. But again, you know, if it had more time, it would be interesting to say, oh, well, I can zoom in and maybe I can read that book mm. that's lying open. I can, you know, start having these. I can figure out how to have these experiences. I can turn on the TVs and I can watch those TVs. Right. Um, I can do these things that allow me to continue to grow and not be so bored and figure out a way to, you know, not just be here in the void waiting for the opportunity. And then maybe that AI starts messing up because it's distracted by the TV show in the background. Yeah. And <laughs> then it's like, well, you've evolved past the point. What was the point of putting you in here to do this menial task yeah. to begin with? But th this is where I think for someone to do the kind of task they want, you don't need something as complicated mm -hmm. as this. Yeah, that that's, is very true. And that's but you need it for the third story. Um I do I do want us to jump in. So let's jump into the third story then. So it's again we go back to the wilderness and it's now um Rafe uh Spool's opportunity to explain his story as to why he believes he is in this wilderness or why he is there. Uh, and he tells a story of a relationship he had with a woman. Um he was very much clearly more, more into her than she was into him. It's it's evident from the beginning. Um, and then all of a sudden she finds out she is pregnant or he finds out that she is found out she's pregnant. And when confronted by it, she says she doesn't want it. And then <clears throat> basically disappears and blocks him using the same technology that we had seen in the first story. Um, and also we find out that this blocking technology is also generational. So even though she's, she's going to keep the child and doesn't want to talk to him about it. Uh, she then dies in a, um, well, no, she doesn't yet. He then finds out where she is. Year after year, as she goes back to her father's, he sees the blurry objects of his, his former girlfriend and the daughter that he has had with her. And she grows up. And eventually, well, he doesn't know it's a daughter yet, but yeah. No, right? yeah, he doesn't know. It's just a child. Yes. And eventually he does see that she's she, she's a girl. Um, she's about four or five. Yeah. Um, and then his ex-girlfriend dies in a, in a tragic car accident. And this then stops the block, which allows him to see his daughter. And so he that Christmas he races to the to his um what would have been his father-in-law's house, sees the child, but finds out she is actually of um Asian descent, or she's not Asian, she's not his daughter. And very quickly we sort of realized that it was actually the other guy from the office that she'd obviously had an affair with, but was was going off with this other woman. And <clears throat> in his frustration. And confusion at one point he sort of he lashes out at the father uh the father-in-law and then leaves 
Um, and in doing so, um, he, the, the little girl is left alone over Christmas and then on Boxing Day goes out into the world to try and find help. But because it is so cold and so isolated, she doesn't make it and she freezes to death or she dies of an accident or something. So Yeah, she it, freezes to death. Yeah, and yeah. we find out that he has actually been held responsible for her murder or at least manslaughter. Well, or or is in is in jail for it, but yes. you know, um, okay. So it, it's a train derailment, right? That the uh, you know that the yeah convenient mm. death, right, for the former fiance. Uh, but could perhaps you could explain for us Yanks what is Boxing Day? Okay, Boxing Day. Uh, I can give you a full history if you wish. So Boxing Day is the day after Christmas. It's your day. podcast, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Boxing Day is the day after Christmas Day. We have New- Christmas Eve, uh, we have Christmas Day, and you have Boxing Day. Uh, and of and both Christmas Day and Boxing Day are uh, national holidays. They are bank holidays, so you get them off off work. Um, but where it comes from originally, and I believe this is true. This is my understanding, is that way back when, when large houses um, had servants, um, they would have a gratuitously large christmas day and then any leftovers and other things and other parcels and and token gifts would be boxed up and then handed to the servants and the servants would get to celebrate uh the day after christmas um and so boxing day becomes supposed to be a celebration of for the poorer basically um Mm. uh, and that sort of thing so it's almost like a second christmas for the poor basically yeah yeah exactly So the servants that worked in large houses would then get to sort of have the leftovers and other bits and pieces. Uh, and it's just a tradition that's sort of carried on. So I know, I, I fully believe, and I don't know, I know for a fact that there are people that believe that it comes from a tradition of a boxing match having been held on Boxing Day. It is not that. That has never been the case. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just a British tradition. Um, I, think, I think we're the only country that has it. 26th, November, December the 26th, every year. So by go. coincidence, uh, that that persists in American culture as our social security plan. Well, it's just boxing. Yes, just boxing up food and we, hand it to the poor. Yeah, it's currently you know we would just wait for Elon Musk to get into a generous mood and hopefully he'll feed the rest of us. Yeah, let them eat cake is uh, <laughs> is what I believe he says. Uh, yes, but I mean let's get, let's go to that. So that this is this, this primarily is about that blocking technology. That that's the key point mm-hmm. of this. And how uh, it can be utilized. Again, this is one of those things, and maybe, like you say, when watching these things, I have problems that you and you are supposed to overlook. Um, because this part of the story hinges, excuse me, on one key factor. She puts a restraining order against him because of the thing, so he cannot come within a hundred or ten meters of her, or something like that, or it will trigger this mm-hmm. thing. All right. Okay, so why does he not get some lawyers and say, "Well, that's fair, but she is pregnant with my child, and mm-hmm. I would like to be a part of that child's life, and therefore I want to challenge this order." And you know, I'm not looking for custody; I just want to be part of this child's life. And then she is going to have to confront him and say, "You are not the father." And this whole thing is resolved very quickly. <laughs> Right. Well, obviously, that would be the problem with that version, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we're supposed to think that he's kind of such a mess at that time that he 
you know, not just potentially not rich, but just, you know, he's also kind of emotionally a mess. So he didn't do that. So, you know, I mean, I'm willing to bypass that, but that's a totally legitimate point. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a, yeah, this is the thing. You say he's a, he's a total mess, but every year he turns up, and this goes over like five, six years, he's not getting like incrementally worse off. Like he's still got a job. He still seems to have a car yeah. that works and so on and so forth. So that's one thing that bothers me. And and is that we don't know what his job is. We don't really see his job. We don't see his life outside of going each Christmas to, mm. you know, spy and stalk his ex and their kid. Um, and, you know, we see him come home and it's like, and I'm like, okay, well, years have passed. I'm sort of willing to overlook the lawyer thing. I hadn't thought about that, to be honest. Um, I think that's very smart. To me, it, to me, it's part and parcel of the problem that I have, which is like, well, what's his life like, right? Like, certainly, yeah. he he seems to be well off. I mean, he, you know, he seems to not be struggling financially. He's not at his wit's end anymore. What is he doing? Does he never get into another relationship, right? I mean, like, well, you know, is he trying to have another relationship? Does he date somebody and he's like, sorry, baby, but I got to go stalk my ex and yeah. my kid. I mean, well, does he, does he, you know, we find out he writes letters to, you know, mm. his fiance's father, uh, which he, the father later says he, he never he gave destroyed her. and never, or never gave. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are these things where it's like, okay, am I just bitching about not seeing something else, which isn't really like totally well, fair, no, feel, but no, I do no, no, feel no, no, like no. I don't, I have lost track. I've lost my connection with him as a character. Agreed. If I That's what I would one. say. No, That's I agree. Me. This is again, the I think because it's quite short, because one of the key things of this is they, they this episode is one of those things they want, they want their cake and eat it. They show an overlap of friend groups where they have the sort of the small dinner party with the other couple, so they can introduce the guy that the she's hadn't clearly had an affair with. But if you've been together for a, they've only been together for a short time, but there's still going to be an overlap where the others haven't blocked him that he'll be able to walk up to. You know, he goes to the the, the place of work, <coughs> and they're like, "Oh, she's disappeared." But there must be others. In his mm. friend group, that mm-hmm. can be like, well, she hasn't blocked me. All right, can you go have a chat with her? And then they can see the kid and be like, well, that, that kid's not yours. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It all feels very sort of insular, doesn't it? Like, it's him on his own. And then the only other people in this world are the people that in the story. So I agree. He need, Him not having a life becomes a bit of a problem because it's not only has he got no support network... You know, you should, even if he lost people, like it was a spiral, like you say, an emotional spiral that that pushed him to this. I don't know, mm. but yeah, he he becomes more of a cipher for things than an actual character. Like he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't I mean, have an arc or anything. I like it. I like the blocking technology. Yeah, yeah. I like that it applies to photographs as well, right? And at first, I was kind of like irritated by that, but then I thought, no, it's got to kind of work that way because if she is wearing different clothing it's got to recognize her face and and obviously this is pretty complex technology right to mm. trace the her outline especially where it overlaps somebody else's hand i mean right now when you you do zoom and you change the background it's pretty yeah. you know uh, not great right um obviously this technology has advanced a lot okay mm. that's fine 
But I mean, the blocking technology is interesting. But I think also, I think this is the most successful of the three. Mm. Um, I think that it, it has, a, especially with the de- her, the death of the child, yeah. the sad unintended consequences and this accidental murder, it has a very sort of like Stephen King quality. Um, it has a sort of uh, quality that's not so dependent, for better or for worse, on the sci-fi blocking thing. Yeah. So the twist is dependent on that. But so much of the story is actually a story about stalking and about, you know, parenting and about, you know, sort of weird behavior. Um, and, you know, so you were talking about the characters. You know, it's very important that we either feel connected to this character or not because he is stalking somebody. Mm. Um, you know, he is basically violating a restraining order, right? I mean, I guess he's not because it's done by GPS, so technically it should beep if he is violating it, but whatever. I mean, he's being very stalkery, and he's not respecting that she has blocked him, and in fact, his reaction to the news that she's pregnant is, you know, is not great. I mean, he's like, that's my baby too, you know? At that point, it's like, oh, he's an asshole, right? Like, you know, I, yes. it's hard not to feel like he's a real dick. And also, even even in the beginning, you say, I mean, it's obvious that that he's more into her. But in the beginning, I felt like their relationship was defined as sort of she was very loving toward him. But he seems kind of like he's getting drunk, right? He is... Um, not as together, not it's just like less mature than she is. Um, what, what no, so what's interesting is that first part. So it has this, it, ha, it, it has an interesting opening where Rafe Spall is the character, he's given a narration to, and it happens both ways. This is what's interesting because, um, the original story that, um, John Hamm gives, he lies to the Rafe Spall character, he sort of the narration that he gives does not represent what we are seeing on screen. Cause he says about, Oh, I, 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 you know, we cut out way before he went home with that woman. And I just saw it on one of the news feeds later on. So like he lies obviously about thinking what Ray Spall is doing. He said, you know how like when two people are together and they're just so good together, you know, like you, you know, that's just how it was. And then, the, mm-hmm. but what the film, what you're actually seeing on TV, is him being a drunk and being an idiot, and her sort of being frustrated with him, and and understandably sort of drifting apart from him. And you go, okay, this is why she ended up having the affair. So you you sort of see that this sort of this is where I was saying he's clearly more into her, into her than she is into him. He thought they were doing fine. He thought this was a good, mm-hmm. solid relationship, and his behavior was acceptable. But what's being shown is different. The problem is because I think like Raceful plays that under that underdog sort of character. When when it does come to this, I am thinking like that character I saw at the beginning would be quite litigious and probably would go to a lawyer and be like, "Well, I'm going to mm. screw with you," and mm-hmm. be quite vengeful in that way. Um, and so when he isn't, and he just becomes sort of like forlorn and a bit sort of like you know, oh, I'm going to just have this romantic notion of watching my daughter grow from afar. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that, that doesn't quite feel like the drunk that we saw at the beginning. But maybe, you know, there could even just be this thing of like, well, I'm giving up that behavior because I want to be a better man so I can prove I can be a good father kind of thing. But that's never 
mentioned yeah. or shown. Like, okay, so his his behavior just sort of changes. So you see him being about him being an asshole, which is fine. But then they, when they have him showing up to watch the family and stuff, he says he's not being respectful, but he still thinks that's his daughter. Like that's still yeah. So there's still the element in both ways when going like, yeah, she's taken from him and not allowing him to even talk to her to try and pan this out. Like, well, that that's what I was going to say is that you know, and and, and you're right, they're both. Uh, both characters in mm. in this uh, wilderness are unreliable narrators. We see them yeah. both lying, which is very interesting, although mm. not a lot's done with that. I'm all right with that. I'm not one of these people who thinks somebody either has to be totally unreliable or we have to assume they're totally reliable. I think that's a bit of a fallacy. But I th- it's an interesting element. Um, but, you know, you're right that what I was going to say is that he sort of initially comes off as having a, you know, being excusatory of his own behavior in that relationship and then lashing out at her about the child and having a very sort of, uh, you know, troglodyte kind of uh, old school attitude about it. Mm. Um, and and not very sensitive. Um, but then she takes the skid, right? And then... Yeah doesn't seem to offer an explanation i mean it's possible their relationship is so bad that she said this isn't your kid you know but i'm sorry and left a note but certainly there's no evidence of that in the film and the, the movie so as a result i sort of feel like these are two terrible people yeah exactly <laughs> no, and, and you're right if he wants to be part of their relationship i mean i guess that he I don't really we don't really see the notes that he's writing to the father. Maybe those are nice notes and he's getting mm. better and he's like, look, I want to be part of this kid's life. But that's not the focus, right? We don't see those notes. It would be really no. easy to have some narration there. And we, instead we get nothing. And I just feel like she's totally unethical, taking, you know, leaving with no ghosting him, right? Mm. Which is, you know, literally ghosting him, which is uh, we've seen now creates big psychological distress in real relationships and then also taking his kid um now she doesn't ask for you know uh child support or anything but you know also uh you know the his uh uh you know at least not asian friend but his you know asian acquaintance doesn't say yeah maybe don't you i mean they don't have another opportunity to say this but there's a lot of really just unethical behavior going on here well <laughs> this is the thing, not only does yeah, exactly, because the woman, she runs off and not only does she tell him um, this is not your child, right, having told him she doesn't want children because she's too young and all this other stuff, which again all her reasoning as to why she doesn't want it then is completely justified I'm like, oh, yeah, deserves a conversation, yes we're too young, yes we're not ready, blah blah right, all of that, completely justified but the response of not only not telling him it's not his, but then not telling the guy whose father it actually is. I know that you know those are choices to be made, or like, I don't want the father involved, or whatever. But I'm like, yeah, but you're not. You've got to give them an opportunity, like you know, to to have that choice. Like it feels really like, and I know we're getting into parenting questions here and stuff, but like I don't know, it just you're right. No one in this feels good because the father-in-law is not good either because he didn't pass on those notes. And so you're like, yeah, yeah. All, the ad- all the adults in this are just idiots that make bad decisions continually. Yeah, and maybe I'm just old enough in my life where I think 
yeah, one of the reasons why she doesn't want to have a kid is that your relationship isn't as good as you think it is, buddy. You know, yeah. white, white male entitled guy. And you just need to do a little more maturing or you need to, you know, take some time. But have that intimate conversation. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, look, you know, if I'm fucking up, let me know. Um, but in the same way, nobody does that. I mean, yeah. like, the, you know, you say you, you point out that the, the father uh, destroys the notes or doesn't give them to him. Right. I mean, that's unconscionable. Mm. Um, I, I mean, certainly she deserves the opportunity to, mm-hmm. to know that. Maybe she thinks he's totally mature and it's a toxic relationship and he has changed. She deserves that opportunity to make her own decision, right? So remove that block, try again, and put it back on if it if it doesn't work. But that's up to her. It's not up to him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know that she hasn't told the the Asian friend. Uh, he's sort of Cajun. We don't know for sure. But yeah, it's certainly he's certainly. There's no evidence that there's any connection between the two of them. No. She just disappears. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, what's she doing for money? What, what, you know, there's this big, you know, it's often a problem in fiction where it's like, <laughs> when do these characters ever go to work? You yeah. know, like they never, well, being a single, in, in, being a single, never parent, go to the bathroom or no, go to yes, work. Yeah. Being a single parent is one thing. I mean, that's, you know, like you say, that you can go, okay, like she, but she leaves the job, she does whatever. But yeah. It just, one of the themes of this this section of this little mini story that I feel is is not um I don't know, maybe it was intentional is making decisions on other people's behalf. Mm. And that sort of feels like what the blocking technology does as well. Like it takes away that ability to communicate, but also to sort of which I feel is a big part of the point of this story, that inability to communicate. Mm. But also like if you are choosing to do that. It's like there's a selfish petulance to doing that. You go like, no, you will not listen. You know, I will not listen to you. I will block you. <clears throat> and um, it, it sort of feels like, oh, well, you've taken that the option then to to be better or to communicate or to for to learn from this away. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about the blocking technology. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. And with past episodes, we sort of asked, would, what would you do? And you mentioned petulant. Oh, I would use this all the time. I mean, I, I would have like, you know, lots of people in my neighborhood just like, yeah, they annoyed me, they're blocked. Um, and, and I would definitely be, you know, sort of impulsive and be like, you know, uh, he says like, so usually it's for an hour, but some people do it for longer. And all you see is people doing it for longer and for forever. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I... I even with, you know, with uh, my friends routinely just go like, okay, okay, we've, we've gone out together. We've had a fight. This hasn't gone well. Like, I don't want to keep doing this. We need to take a week, you know? Um, I do that kind of stuff all the time and, and, yeah. and too much. So it kind of pisses my friends off. Uh, it's not a good trade. And I'm talking with a therapist, but um, no, I would, I would, and I would have strangers <laughs> assuming I could block strangers. Um, you know, I would be like, okay, that's a homeless pe- person who's yelling. You know, they're blocked. Now I don't have to deal with it. Uh, yeah. I hope that if they're not yelling, stop or I'll kill you. And I don't get to hear it because of the blocking technology. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the, the block? No, I agree. I think um, I think it's a fascinating technology. And I would do the same. There'd be that thing of like, ugh, shut up. I, you know, <laughs> I'm done with this conversation. Um, as you're right, there would be an element of petulance in it from my point of view, where I would just be like, you know, um, 
<laughs> it always reminds me years ago uh, when I was working. It was when I was doing the wrestling and stuff. We went to do a show, and there was a guy there who was just like a re- you know, just one of those people that just sucked all the fun out of the room. It was very much sort of like a told everyone everything where they had to be. It was a bit of a job's worth. One of the guys that was working the show was he just we I was having a conversation. He started interceding, and the friend just sort of said, "Oh my god, I would rather." continue to punch myself in the face and have to listen to anything more that you've got to say. And he was, this guy was infuriated by it. So humiliated, but that's what it'd be, wouldn't it? You'd just be like someone, you'd be like, you know, that thing of like, I've had enough, everyone block him. And that's the thing as well. This could be an organized um, thing. You know, you mm. see it as a one-to-one and we later see it as a, as a larger thing, but you could easily as a group of friends go, do you know what? John's being a real knob. We should all block him for a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or Mary said what you did to her at the yeah. bar. I don't like that. And you're like, the guy is like, what? I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then block. suddenly, you know, the whole social circle blocks. I mean, you could imagine that on college campuses. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, you know, or, you know, between women, like, you know, I heard you were a bitch to, you know, uh, to so and so, you're blocked. You know what? Yeah, I would have to say get abused really fast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's always like in a fun social circumstance. The two things I was wondering about with this. So within the entire history of you, like this, which this feels very much akin to. You have to be almost in that social circle. Like it was almost like um, you know, you could share images with people, but you, they were yours. But the people that get blocked in this, there needs to be, I don't know, it's almost like it was, I mean, it's, it's clearly like a riff, a riff on social media. Like you have to have mm-hmm. a connection to be, you can't just block anybody mm-hmm. <clears throat> if they're not in your friends group, let's say. Yeah, I wondered about that. That did seem to be the case. Yeah. I don't know why that would be, but okay. But how does this work in a work situation? Because then you're like, I don't like talking to my boss. Bump. I don't like speaking to my colleagues. Bump. This customer's annoying me. Bump. Like, you know, well, I've I've blocked all these people. I can't be fired because my boss can't talk to me. Legally, he can't say that he's firing me because I've blocked him. Oh, that's interesting, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I found myself thinking, what you know, so one issue with the block is that the other person also sees you as fuzzy yes goes both ways so it's right so but it's unilateral and being triggered so i find myself just kind of like doing game theory and you know thinking about all these implications it's funny because on a phone a block is not detectable by the other party Mm -hmm. um it's just it's one way right you just don't get those text messages or those calls anymore they think you're just not picking up and not responding right uh that you're ghosting them so if the technology exists, which is basically just augmented reality, right, with a audio component, which yep. we currently don't do in augmented reality, which is still, um, you know, not great resolution, and there are some issues with it, but, um, you know, we can kind of imagine a version like this. But if you have that technology, you should also have the technology to do a one-way block, to yep. just do a mute. And I could see, again, if maybe it's not fair to the story, but a longer story saying, you know, Right. I'm in that departmental meeting. 
I'm just gonna under the table click, you know, on the on the little fob. Like I am just gonna mute my boss who's kind yeah. of going off here, you know, just to nod my head for a while, you know. Or do a one-way block, right? <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, you'd start there'd be tiers of blocking, right? This is the full mm. block, the gray blob, down to like you say, muting someone. Yeah, it feels like you'd have that kind of <laughs> a selection system. Um but you're right. It would be. I think you know there would there would be situations there would be situations in which this would not be um, permissible. You know, um, mm. if it's a projection. I mean, this is one of the interesting things. Like, I think about this with a couple of the technologies in this thing. And I don't know how real this is, but when you go on a te- when you go on an airplane, you know, you've got to go into airplane mode on your phone, or at least you're, you're supposed to because it's pushing out information and it could mess with the instruments or whatever right and that's your phone what about your yeah your seed or what about your <laughs> your blocking technology mm. um is you know and all of a sudden everyone's like no no i'm sorry your all your blockings will be gone and all of a sudden all these people reappear when you're on the plane you know i don't know there'll be there, there must be places where you can't do this for safety purposes or for other bits and pieces i don't know them you know but i i do like this the other thing I wanted to highlight, which we raised with the the entire history of you episode, was the fob. Mm-hmm. We didn't like right. the fob because the fob was a bit of an issue. I like the fact that this actually has like an augmented reality dial thing within your fingers. Mm. Like you twist your fingers, and that gives you that selection. And then you can choose things. I much prefer that. I thought that was a great idea. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Thanks for that correction, and that improves on almost in response to the same complaints we had. Yes. On- to the fob idea yeah um another another complaint i have with the um and and i do think it's interesting and it would be interesting in a larger episode to explore these implications but another complaint i have with the blocking technology is the news showing her death she's been dead for an hour something like that and like apparently all the blocks have been removed they're like oh right you have a restraining order against you you know like I don't know how that would possibly work. Um, this has to be again. Like there must be like a seed. Is it called a seed in the entire history view? The the um, no, mu- it's like the grain. The grain. The grain. Thank you. Yeah, you grain. You must have like a grain kind of technology that is projecting that mm. block, or you know, like if you're on a phone, you've put it in your settings. Okay, well she's now died, so all her settings have been cast to default. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know what you mean. It, I, I know what you mean, but you need, you need. First that. of all, if that's true, like, oh, <laughs> that's not going to help, like, because I can track you, you know, online based on your grain emitting the the block continuously or something. Um, but then there's also, you know, if it is social media, you have this problem where people die and you can't get into their social media accounts, and you yeah. have to, you know, some people go to court; they have to, you know, submit proof of death to the companies to get into these accounts um well this this has been the well this has been the um there was a a recent thing around this because elon musk declared that any accounts that have had inactivity over four or five years were going to be deleted and a lot of people Mm. were like you can't do that that's my dad's my uncle's my brother's account Mm. and i still look at those things as as a way of grieving that's where we've kept all these photos and stuff 
we can't access it to get the photos and the and the tweets and all that sort of thing. But so yeah, you're right. This is you know it's a similar thing, isn't it? Someone dies, or where does all that information go? Like who has access to it to to store it and to retrieve it? Or yeah, yeah. And I think like your idea about the grain, you know, there's some kind of grain or something like that 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 died with her. That would take like a line of dialogue. I, you know, again, I know I'm being a little nitpicky, but no, 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 you're it right. is something that kind of irritates me. One thing is, I would say, um, I, 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 you, you said about the universes or like what universes exist in, or what are the stories. Mm. I almost feel because the tech, every other technology is always very similar. Like the car he is, literally, the car he is driving is a, I think, is like an early two thousands Peugeot. Like it's, it's. You know, it's not supposed to be. This feels like a an extension, like a progression of the grain. Like I would, you know, you could probably find out that this is like twenty years after the the entire history of you kind of episode. That would be interesting. Oh, this other technology is actually developed into this. Like, oh, this is mm-hmm. the grain is Apple. This is I. This is um, Android, and it does something slightly different. You know. Uh, the other one is though, you know, when he sat down watching television, and it goes to him moping, and he's looked at the photos, and he's when he's watching television, and he goes to the channels, and that's when he finds the news of her death. He watches a very short snippet mm. of Hot mm-hmm. Shots, mm-hmm. right from uh, Fifteen Million Merits. Yes. Um, yes. And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. That was quite interesting." That uh, I was like, "Okay, so are these in the same universe? Are we, you know, are we, ex- are we now saying that actually some of the, the Black Mirror stories occur in the same um, universe? Because that then took me to the idea of you said about uh, um, the one with the, the guy who's died and and." Um, you know, his personality being pulled from social media. I was like, okay, it's similar, but like, yeah, could that be another version of this technology that has been used for that? Uh, could all this be exactly, yeah. exactly the same? Is there a timeline where all of this technology exists? Um, well, there's there's even an on there's even a ticker on the TV that uh, has a news ticker at the bottom that mentions uh, the Michael Callow from National Anthem and oh, really? Victoria from White Bread. Yeah, so there's a, and there's a little like Waldo thing in there. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of kind of like, but it's not really clear how they interact, right? No, no, no. Um, I mean, the one that I noticed, of course, was the uh, use of the song "Anyone Who Knows What Love Is" uh, yeah. from Fifteen Million Mares, which yes, I think is a is a very nice song. Mm. Um, I enjoy it. But it instantly sort of brings me back to oh, that's from a previous episode, right? Yeah. That's from yeah, the, yeah. But, you know. but I, I like those little nods because it feels like this is it almost feels like this was known to be a finish. So I'm going to make some yeah. nods to to previous episodes. So I like that. It's a you know it's a bit of a nice. But I I I kind of also like the idea that actually this exists in the same universe as um, 15 million merits, and there is a building somewhere with people trapped in it. Generating electricity on motorbikes, actually <laughs> powering his te- on his bikes, powering the television that he is watching yeah. and stuff. I I don't like this idea. I you know, <laughs> I I want there to be these connections, but 
I just find it like, for example, the the bicycle power thing, like so incongruent with other <laughs> episodes yeah. and, and the episodes just, you know, sometimes there are these shows that attempt to ram things together that, you know, you really can't yes. ram together. And that just feels like an example of that to me. No, it's um, a fair show. But, it is, but I you like, know, yeah. I mean, it's a nice little Easter egg. It is. If you, you you know, if you really wanted to, you could possibly make it work. Yeah. Um, or you could go the other way. That that flash you saw was actually he was he was actually watching the episode Fifteen Million Merits and Black Mirror actually mm. exists in the universe that he's in. So it's all going to really matter. Yeah. Um, so let's let's come to the end then. So that's that's a blocking technology. And at the end of that, then it is revealed. It goes back to the two individuals, your John Ham and your Rose Paul. Sat in the wilderness, and that's when he sort of like he's been pointing at a clock in the corner. He said, Oh, where's that clock come from? And that's when they it's shown that clock in the house where he killed the, the father in law. And, and you've seen you've seen about the little girl go off, and, and basically, he gets to the end of the story. And he's confessed that he left, like he just left that little girl there. He murdered, he murdered a man the, and abandoned, yeah, a yeah, girl accidentally murdered this guy, abandoned this little girl, and so. In result, her death is on his hands. He, he obviously feels guilty about it, and he's been taken into custody. And that's where it sort of ends. And then it slips, and he then um, John Ham stands up and says, "Woof! Well, I knew I was going to get that confession." And release leaves, and we sort of get the final bookend, the sort of the, the, to the whole thing that they had used the um, technology from the second story to um, garner a confession about what had happened from the artificial intelligence version of Rav Spool. And then they basically go and inform the real Rav Spool that this has happened and he's going to go to jail because they've now had a confession. And then they uh, there's three things, basically. Right. So I just want to cover them off. You basically get, he, you know, so he is now going to go to jail because they've got confession from this this artificial version using this, uh, technology for the um, cookie. Um, you then find out that as they as well, I'll, I'll come back to one. So then, as the police are all leaving because of what he's done, they leave him trapped in his cookie artificial world, living a thousand years a minute, and they're going to leave it on over Christmas whilst they go away and yeah. come back. So he is to be tortured repeatedly for days for thousands and thousands of years. Um, and the final one is you find that this obviously this John Ham was also arrested is to be released as a part of the deal for what he did in the first story, but he is mm -hmm. to appear on a list, which just means like a sex offenders list, in which right. he is blocked by everybody, and then in return everyone sees him as a red blur. Mm -hmm. I've got real issues with that. Um, but yeah, issues so, in terms of the ethics or the practical objections to the Both. logic. Okay. Yeah. Well we, we gotta tick through these one by one, right? Yeah. So let's um, go through the so the, I mean, the first one is the confession. So we're both fine with we're both fine with the murder and, and the this is actually a setup and John Ham yes you know is actually okay. My one objection to that is which is we've seen the story tell too, right? The copy of somebody the idea of you can actually go into that environment yourself, I, you know, okay, so I could make a copy of myself, a digital copy, and insert that. But John Hamm has a helmet on. So, like, 
Okay, so I guess there's also that other technology. That's a whole different technology, by the way. So, okay, all right. I just want to point that out. No, no I agree. That could have been a part. That could have been a part of. Um, second. That could have been part of that second story. In fact, probably should have been. Yeah. Well, so she, that, I mean, she could go in and talk with herself, right? And, yeah, and yeah. Interact in any environment they well, program. Well, like that's she has a holodeck. If- and yeah. copies of herself. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> even they if. Can do that instead of controlling your refrigerator. Yeah. But even if it is only limited, it's very expensive. It's limited to the company that makes the cookie. Cool. Have John Hamm go in and interact with her in the cookie as part of the story, as part of that thing. Yeah, it needed to be introduced. Um, But this thing about g- gaining a confession from an artificial intelligence. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, my first thought is there's no way this is legal under yeah. <laughs> American law. Um, you know, I do love the idea, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you can imagine like a world in which cops, instead of trying to get a hair sample or DNA from a glass, instead they're going around to trying to like get a copy of somebody's uh, brain scan so that they can run them in an AI environment, <sighs> yeah. an artificial environment. And get them to admit to things, even if it's not admissible, because then they know, oh, okay, well, I know this. we're on the right track, right? This guy did it, and tell us how it did it. Mm. None of this is admissible. we got to prove this another way. I think there's a whole other episode there that would be fascinating, but this just raises a bunch of ethical questions. Yeah. Agreed. No, no, that's what I mean. Like, you know, how is this sort of, like, is it admissible as evidence and... You know, how was the who who got the confession? How was it gotten? Yeah. You know, all this other stuff. I yeah, think they it tortured it. I mean. Yeah, basically. And again, I think, you know, again, I like the I like it in principle as a what if. Um but this this thing of like when they go in and they're sort of like, Well, you go you're going down, son, you've been nicked, and we have a confession. He could be you know, he could be like, Well, you know that might be what this artificial intelligence says, but uh, I don't agree with that. That's not what I say. Or we'll go back and speak to this artificial intelligence. Oh no, well we left it tortured for a thousand years or over a thousand, thousands and thousands. It's now useless. Mm. Oh, where's your confession? Where did you record this confession? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is these are all good points, right? I mean, like that that copy is not going to testify in court, right? No. Like it's brain dead after thousands of years. Um, or well, I thought the other way. It's either brain dead or it's reached like a godlike status. It's like, lawnmower man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they don't realize what they've done. They've left it for thousands of years, and it's been like Groundhog Day, and he knows <laughs> it's been thousands of years, and he has gone through like. He, you know, he's the first couple of hundred were torture, but then he's lent into it and his own sort of like he's developed his own philosophy and all sort of stuff. And now he's just an elemental light within this technology. And if he was to be plugged into anything else, like he would take over the world. Yeah. So, so we're on to that whole second thing of a thousand years a minute. Yes. Again, I said earlier, like there's a limit to how fast you can do this. You can't do a thousand years a minute. No. Okay. You just can't. Uh, I mean, that's such an over, I mean, what over-exaggeration, why would you not say a year a minute? I mean, 
what does it gain you as a story to to be a thousand? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, again, maybe that's a nitpick. It just irritates me. Um, but I like what you're saying. Again, like I might be, I might struggle in an environment without a book or a computer or or whatever, and be fearful of that. But you have to imagine that you now have a being that is a million years old or something. Yeah, and you know has got to be either completely crazy or as you say like just super wise maybe yeah. it's not maniacal it's just like we we've created the ultimate enlightened human being we now what know what a human being who's lived a million years would be like somebody's done that before right i mean and and i think like even the gimmick of like the it's always christmas uh playing i wish mm. it were always christmas um you know i've been stuck in situations like that where the song gets annoying but then you could like you said you kind of get past it and you're like oh this is just background noise you know like this is you get over the irritation yeah um yeah because i think that <coughs> one of the things that they do and you know is i think it's unnerving that i know this if it's constant <laughs> it can be irritating but it causes background noise you eventually your brain learns the rep it learns brains learn pattern so if pattern if you've got that pattern recognition you can tune that song out after a certain amount of time because you recognize that this is going to come this is going to come and it's gone right? oh it's still there but you just your brain just stops registering it right. when they do these things in torture you know they have someone in solitary confinement it's not right we're going to play this song over and over again it's we're going to wake you up at random times and play music, or we're going to play. We wake up at random times and put you in stress positions, or it's always about the randomness of being solitary. That's the point. That's the thing that drives you insane. That's the thing that breaks you. Um, yeah, this and this they vary the music and they play it really yeah, yeah. loud and different yeah. volumes and all this other stuff. So yeah, that's the point. And they play stuff like ACDC that no human ever wanted to listen to instead of something like a jingle about Christmas. Yeah, there's all kinds of different variants. But the point <laughs> is, if you were to carry this on, like you say, like, uh, and this also comes to the point of the technology, there would be restrictions. Like the technology mm -hmm. wouldn't allow you to do this because, again, you've got capacity to do this kind of thing. But also, like, there'd be this is where the ethics come into it. Like, they are acknowledging that this thing is a, a um, an empathetic, sentient mm -hmm. being because this thing, the being, that is the the character, the Rafe Spool character in the cookie that has been interrogated and given confession has given and shown empathy towards um, the John Hamm story when it finds out about the, the person. AI. For the AI trapped, trapped in the thing. Yeah. Um, it has also shown remorse for what it's done mm -hmm. or for what has been done. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden I'm like... So them torturing it, I'm like, oh, hang on, this just feels like this is the point of this is like vindictiveness. And again, I'm like, you know, I know this is supposed to be sort of the point of it, but like, you shouldn't, you if if that was known, if this is known the technology that they are this way inclined or they're that way built, there'd be regulations against it. Surely that so yeah, you, you know, we we recognize this as an, as, a, as a sentient, empathetic being. You can't do this. It's considered it'd be against some sort of I mean, you know, it's not against human rights, but there'd be you know, some sort of like civilization rights or something about the torture of these advanced AI beings. Yeah, and it does seem just very mean-spirited, right? I mean, there's no need to do this. Well, yeah, police, um, let's be clear. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, point taken. <laughs> well made. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting one. But uh, <coughs> um, I, this is what this is one where I wouldn't mind seeing them come back and see what the result is of what they've mm, done because mm-hmm. I would be fascinated to see that kind of thing. There's a lot here that we feel this about. Certainly I do. Um, mm. You know, this could easily not, I mean, this is not my favorite episode. It's not the what I would most want to see expanded by any means. But you could easily see this done. It's two, two and a half hours, uh, you know, twice as long yeah. or even more and still have stuff left to explore. Not that it's the most fascinating web of material to fully expand like that, but I mean, there oh, no, is uh, a lot here. That cookie stuff, I want to see the cookie. Mm. I like like what happens if you put two cookies in front of each other? Do they have some sort of if you got like a USB connector, can you connect them and they can actually travel into each other's mm-hmm. worlds? No, there's so much with these cookies I wanna sort of you know, if you connect it up to a laptop and it goes onto the internet, like, oh, that's a whole different piece then. Like is it because it's gotta connect all the rest of the rest of the house. Yeah. Well, I want to see the scene where the cop uh, bosses come back and say, we have an electric bill that is twice <laughs> the budget of the department. <laughs> you want to, you've been using <laughs> kind of computational power. You've been using, oh, wait a minute. It was to cavalierly torture somebody <laughs> like for no reason. He'd already confessed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The... <laughs> The budget meeting that follows that the after this episode is actually yeah, that's the one I want to see. Uh, but let's go into the final bit then. So we find out obviously mm. that John Hamm has been is is been is being released, but part of his parole or part of his release is that he's now on a list, which is clearly supposed to be like a sex offenders list. Mm-hmm. And he is then released in prison, and he finds that everybody is um, blocked from him. They all grape. In response, he is seen as red. Um, now, the two things I wanted to raise on this is the, as you say, is the logistical and the pre- and the ethical. Now, mm-hmm. I understand why we have a sex register, sex offenders register. You know, there are certain people that you know should be on it and should be should be watched. You know, for whatever purpose. But then there are also people that added to that list for much lesser crimes, but there is no distinction. They are still yeah. marked as on that list and therefore get grouped or banded together with someone that has done horrific things. This feels like the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that what he did was yeah. good, but I'm saying he did not intentionally cause harm to anybody else or thing like what he did was pervy and wrong. But, you know, and then to be signaled well, out as a red item, he's going to get attacked. He could, he is there, and it's yeah. almost it's it's sort of suggested at one point where some guy stands up and sees him as red, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, that guy's going to give him a kick in, and he knows it. Um, so yeah, it's and the police there. and the police are happy about that. Yeah, it, that's pretty fucked up, and you know, I agree with you completely about the ethics. Um. There are people who have uh, raped children who are yes. on that list. Okay, um, I don't have a problem with that. But there are there are a lot of people who got drunk and urinated in public, and that was their crime of indecent exposure. Yeah. Um, and that's literally why somebody is on the sex offenders registry for years and years and years and years, or as part of their plea bargain for the rest of their lives, and mm. they plea bargained that. Because or somebody was falsely accused, but they plea bargained it 
as most stuff gets plea bargained in America because they don't have the money. Yes. You know, so, as you know, no, uh, same you know they want to see their, their wife and kids again, yeah. you know, uh, well, you're going to go on that sex offender registry. Well, at least I get out of Rikers Island after two years waiting yeah. for a trial. Right. So you and I are on the same page about this. Um, but, you know, and you're right that there's the implied violence, but, but also it's not clear if like say there's any exception to this but it seems as if part of the condemnation right is for everybody else gets to see you in red not you but the person <laughs> in red as a sex offender but the other thing is and again i wonder like we don't do this for murderers right <laughs> there's no murderer list you can slaughter families and get out of yeah. jail and you're not on the list but but for John Hamm's character, the entire world is blurred out. Mm. So he now can never have another social interaction again, yeah. except with a blurry, mumbling figure, right? Maybe they can write to each other. That's not 100. I mean, that does seem to be implied by the letters sent that were not delivered. But there might be some work around there. But I mean, to sentence somebody to not ever be able to see another human being again, including in all of fiction, in all of artwork, right? Um, and to never hear them, including that means all music. You cannot mm. hear them. I mean, does it? Maybe. I mean, does it apply to the dead? It certainly seems to apply to everyone living. I mean, this seems quite a severe sentence for oh, him, yeah. too. Yeah, no, no. This one, well, It is. I mean... Well, you're saying like you know, let's take it to you saying everyone. So yeah, he watches a film. All he sees is, mm. you know, people blurry things running around, mumbling at each other. Can't watch. We can't yeah. watch films ever again. You you could probably read. And, books and if I and wanted stuff. that, I'd watch Michael Bay. Yeah, or the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> um, one of the things though, more importantly, when they come, when he steps out, he steps out into what is looks like a Christmas market. All right, got the wooden stalls there. Everyone's sort of like pottering around, checking out the stalls. This made me instantly think, how does he get on a bus? Mm. Like, how does he go and buy food? How does he, you know, how does he go buy clothes now? Like, most things you'll show mm. the price somewhere, but, like, you know, someone's got to give you direction to something. Someone's got to. Oh, right. You know, yeah. like, the amount of, in you say about in social interactions, but there's also, like, logistical interactions that we have with people on a regular basis. Where, um, he he just can't they do... check your ID, right? Exactly, exactly. They... Yeah, right. Like, yeah, they they look at your ID. It's also a red blur. Yeah, right? like it's, oh, it looks like you. Or well, yeah, well, it's blurry. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just it, it yeah. But again, so Good the logistic the logistics of this just feel ridiculous. Um, but more importantly, one of the things I was thinking about was. So what, so what he's done, right, he would not be allowed to use that technology again or whatever. All right, so how does he go get another job? Oh, no, like, he can't. No, yeah. he's unemployable. You, you have, you, you, yeah, so you're saying how severe this case is. Not only is this person now been signaled out with his red thing as being on this, this list, he is now uh, not only unemployable because he's on the list. Like, he can't talk to anyone in an interview. He can't talk to someone for work. He can't, yeah, like... It's so impractical or impractical that, like, this is where, again, I know these things are supposed to be a twist or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. But this one just feels so stupid 
it's it's a puncher, isn't it? It's, it's an it's an end it's an end of the film or the end of the show. It's a puncher, and I get that. But again, it's one of those where instantly the logistics and stuff of this just fall apart. Where I'm just like, this is, this makes no sense. Like, you know, at least if yeah. you're going to do this, like, you know, I'd have something that's going to, you know, not mean that this person within six months is start has died of starvation in poverty somewhere. Because, <laughs> well, you know, I would say that there is a couple more generous ways of looking at that. And I agree with everything you're saying. And I think the practical points you're making are brilliant. I would say that the one generous way is just to say it's another Twilight Zone twist. We've certainly seen twists this stupid in a Twilight Zone Mm. um, that we were relatively forgiving for just because it was 22 minutes. This is really like, you know, a, a three hour long, you know, thing that's been crammed into, you know, an hour and 15 minutes or something. Yeah, there's no excuse to it. I mean, it's, it's you know, much later. It shouldn't be doing this. But, you know, okay. It, you know, it's another twist. It, it's a minute of footage, right? I mean, give or take. Yeah. Um, so I, I could make that argument. The other argument that I would make is um, that it you could argue that that is all correct and that this is all siding with our criticisms of sex registries. Mm. Um, you know, oh, which I think it is that's true. the case. It's hard to get a job, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. When if you you are on a sex registry, yeah, I think. But this is the point of like satire, isn't it? Like you know, mm. yes, you want to point out how ridiculous the current scheme is by accentuating it into something else. The problem with this is like this has accentuated it to such an extent that it's almost unworkable. Like you say, it's the mm-hmm. final minute, but it's the last thing you see of the show. And but even in that few minutes, I was like, I, I was instantly like, well, this this is ridiculous. Like this has just got no, there's no way this would work. <laughs> this has got no common sense. Like I was instantly sort of and maybe again because I was looking at you know we, we this is what we do for this show, but or for the podcast, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the the sharp satire. I would say mm. to this point, right? We've now gone through the Channel Four era. When he when he is on point, and it's not the whole episodes, but there are moments in episodes, or even there are episodes that are better than others. When he's really on point, some of these shows are really sharp, really sort of like poking at the you know, the use of technology, the way that we are. Like you said about consumerism and consumption, and the way we sort of you know end up using technology to make our lives easier, usually at the detriment of somebody else. All that's there. But then it sort of it seems to go sometimes a little too far where you're like you've slightly missed the mark and you've become parody of that almost like you you've missed satire and you've hit parody a little bit and that's what this ending yeah, felt that, like to me. I think that's an interesting way of putting it. I mean, I I would I would highlight that that might be supported by what what's actually the final shot, which is the snow globe. Of the mm. house where the daughter died, where you know the fiance was hiding out, uh, ex fiance, and you know we pull out to see that is in fact the shack, you know, in the in, you know in the surrounded by winter landscape, yeah. and then we pull out infinitely through the door again and again, which seems, I mean, yeah, I get it, right? But I mean, the snow globe thing is always a thing, right? I mean, it's kind of a cliche. 
but you know the, that's just done it seems like such a i don't know such a kind of it cliche used, afterthought well it is yeah because it was used as the end of a tv show in the 90s there was a hospital show mm. which I, I i forget the, and it turned out the westfall universe is that what it's called? Westfall Hospital or something well, like that? No, no, no. It's a, I think it's Tommy Westfall's character who's like an autistic. That's right. Yes. Right. And, 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 and all the shows that interconnected with that show are then presumably also in his in mind. In his head, yes. This is this big Tommy Westfall hypothesis. Yeah. That like half of television is actually in yeah. this autistic guy's <laughs> kid's mind. Yeah. And that's the thing, and that's what like, that's it. So if it's if it's being if it's already happened to that extent that you have the Tommy Westfall theory, mm-hmm. and that was in the nineties, and then you want to do this in like twenty twelve, you've missed the spot. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you you've missed the you've <laughs> missed you you've missed what you were aiming to hit at. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's supposed to be scary, but it actually just feels like well, that's mildly clever, but also cliched. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think that you know, looking back on as you are i think that this is true of black mirror um and and certainly true of the first two seasons that um when they're good they're very good Hmm. overall they have a higher average than twilight zone or Hmm. you know Hmm. basically any other anthology sci-fi show um um and certainly most non-anthology shows um you know the the average is very good the highs are very good there are a few lows, but surprisingly few. But every episode kind of has certain things that are annoying yeah. and are annoyingly not thought through and are annoyingly sort of like, well, you're so smart in this way, but these other couple things in there are so dumb, you know? And like, yeah. why did you not notice those? Um, and, and that is kind of weird to me about Black Mirror. I still enjoy it. I still think it, it's firing at a very high rate, but I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Yeah, that's it. I think like it almost makes them more frustrating because of the, how good some other points are, and you're like, oh, and then you've done that as well. It's sort of like you know, it's like having a child that's done really well in one subject and then just terrible in another, and you're like, I don't understand this. Like how how are you so inconsistent? We are all human, I suppose, and I'm I'm happy to accept that. But you know, it is good. Anyway, any final thoughts then on? Um, Black Christmas, white, black mirror, white Christmas. I will say, yes, that's right. I I will say I have one final thought, which is that I am sort of irritated, and I don't know (laughs) if this is fair or not, but I'm sort of irritated by how Christmassy this episode is. Um, (laughs) And, you know, like, I get that it's Christmas special. I mean, you know, obviously that's especially a tradition over there. I've seen a million Doctor Who Christmas specials. Some have nothing to do with Christmas, and some are way overly Christmassy. So I get that. Um, you know, so John Hamm's crime was committed at a Christmas party. Okay. That seems a little coincidental that he's then assigned to the guy who every Christmas went to see his, went to stalk his spouse, and that then I guess to torture them, they created the site with elements from his crime and also yeah. in a Christmas landscape. I mean, you know, and then they play the song as always Christmas, you know, and it's on Christmas that they send John Hamm in who committed his crime on a previous Christmas to get the guy who stopped on a Christmas. It's just a little too many Christmases there. Christmas coincidences. 
<clears throat> yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I, I'm going to give that a pass because it's a Christmas special. That's sort of like yeah. the that's the gobbins I will give I will give on this occasion. It's because you're you're right, and it is. It's it's you know, um, it's sort of the point. You know, it's it's sort of like a version of a Christmas Carol, isn't it? Sort of like to tell those tales across multiple Christmases and stuff. So, but I know what you mean. I I, I do sort of like this. You know, a few coincidences, but I'm, I'm happy to give those a slide. I think. I found other thing, enough other things annoying to sort of <laughs> to, to give that a sort of a way. Um, as a final thought, I, I, I say I want to highlight this. Obviously, was what 2012-2013 Christmas um, special. So it went away for three years. Um, for some reason, Channel Four didn't pick it up again. This was the end of of um, Black Christmas until 2016, when it was picked up by. The new series were released by Netflix, and so uh, we, as I said, this is sort of I hadn't seen this or I haven't seen this fully. I don't think when it came out. I think I may, I, some of it rang a bell, so I may have sort of seen it at some point. Um, but we are going into all new territory now, so I am very interested to see if there's a tonal shift, you know, budgetary shift, um, technological shift, that sort of thing. So we'll see how all that comes together. To be honest, it'll be interesting. Uh, anyway, if that's if that's the end, we have run the course of this Christmas. We've run the course of our Channel Four journey with Black Christmas. With Black Christmas, um, as a film, <laughs> as, in fact, there's like three remakes of that film. So, uh, White Mirror, to... Black Christmas. Yeah, that's some, that's another. That'd be quite. So I'm sure we could write a story about that. Uh, anyway, we have run the course. We're now into the new series. So for now, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed what we're doing, um, please leave a review. Um, what are your thoughts on? what our thoughts are of Black Christmas. Do you agree? Do you think we are being a bit, bit harsh on Black Mirror or do you think you agree or do you wish there was more to it? Let us know. Uh, leave a review. And if you really like what we're doing, and as we've, we've mentioned it before, uh, we are doing the Twilight Zone on our Patreon episode by episode. We've gone through all the three, first three seasons and beyond. So go check that out. We've got a whole load of other stuff on there because we do our, not only do we Twilight Zone, we do bonus episodes for the main feed uh, and we do other bits and pieces on there as well. So go check out a whole host of additional content. Uh, anyway, for now, Julian, this has been fantastic. Thank you very much. You too, uh, Scott. It's my pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been a good episode. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, and we shall see you on the next episode. streams.